The scripture today is from John chapter 20. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then his disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord, and Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. And he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the marks of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and through believing, you may have life in his name. The Gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Thanks, Marlene. As I noted in the welcome, we need to recalibrate a bit this morning. Um, we have been immersed in the Gospel of Mark and um, have been shaped by Mark's interpretation of Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection. And as we heard last week on Easter, Mark's resurrection story ends like this. The women fled from the tomb for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. That's how Mark ends it. There is no completeness in Mark's resurrection story. No appearances of the resurrected Jesus to his disciples. And as we talked about last week, resurrection is not resolution in the Gospel of Mark. He leaves the resurrection story to be lived out and made known in our lives. How are we seeing the resurrected Christ in our lives? Now, the Gospel of John, as we just heard, is quite different. There are four post-resurrection encounters in this Gospel, and we hear two of them today. 
What is clear in this gospel is that believing in Jesus is about a relationship with him, and it's not some kind of abstract sense of belief or faith. It's faith that's embodied. And so in every encounter, there's this moment of belief, a transformation, and it takes place in specific details and forms. Mary doesn't come back to the disciples and say, oh, by the way, I just, I just encountered the resurrect, resurrected Jesus. She says, I have seen the Lord. And it comes to Mary specifically in who Mary is, the relationship that she had with Jesus. She actually interacts with God and she knows it. It's tangible. So the story begins today in a locked room. And so it's clear to us that not all the disciples have experienced what Mary experienced because they're huddled together in fear. Scared, of course, because they're known as Jesus' disciples. And so if Jesus was killed, they may, they may well be next on the list. Scared because all that they have known has changed and they do not know what happens next. And scared, too, because they realize they took off. Peter denied. And they promised Jesus that they would be faithful to him till the end, and they didn't. And so they're wondering what Jesus' reaction may be to them. And so Jesus appears as they hold all this fear and uncertainty and the way Jesus appears is clearly different than before because he just enters this locked room. He extends a peace and then he breathes into them the Holy Spirit. This is the same breath of spirit that God breathed into Adam in the creation story. So somehow John is telling us there is new creation happening here. Now, Thomas was not there when all of this happens, and he hears about it, and we classified Thomas as a doubter, but he's not a doubter. He's actually the asker. He's the determined one. He says, I need to see for myself in a way that I can understand. And so Jesus miraculously appears again, this time with Peter pre or Thomas present, and Thomas sees and the resurrected Jesus, who still has the scars of his suffering and death. Resurrection doesn't erase the pain. It comes within it. So Thomas is able to see and touch. And in that experience of God, he speaks his belief. My Lord and my God is what Thomas says. Thomas needed to see to believe, and rightly so. How do we believe without some kind of tangible experience? This could be the question of faith for all time. Jesus notes it himself. There's a little beatitude at the end of the story. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet come to believe. And so the question today is how do we do this? We said farewell to our 10-year-old minivan. And I have to tell you, a lot has changed with cars over this last decade. 
Randy sent me a text, oh my gosh, Beth, this heated steering wheel is awesome. And I said out loud to myself, what? We have a heated steering wheel? I didn't even know this was possible. How have I been driving around in this frigid spring weather for the last weeks, and I did not even know my steering wheel was heated? Are you kidding me? Now, we all know that resurrection is not a feature on a car. But we act like I did when I realized that there was something there that I didn't even know about. I didn't even consider at that point what was right at our fingertips. And we do the same about resurrection. The proclamation of Easter is Christ has risen. We are not without hope. God conquered even death. But we often go about this life as practical atheists, not even aware of this good news. Or we think, oh, that resurrection thing, that's what we redeem when we die. What if we just asked for it like Thomas did? And then ask God, be specific. I need to understand and see resurrection in a way that's unique to me. Now, here's the really difficult part of that. We are really good at giving orders, aren't we? God, I would like resurrection to look like this in my life. And what comes out of our mouth on those orders or requests typically is something that benefits us. And typically, it's something so we can avoid the difficult parts of our life. But resurrection is not about an order taker or a dispenser of what we want. Although God is concerned with that, and here's that, in the Gospel of John, resurrection comes with the giving of the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God, the author and giver of life. The breath of life that we each hold in our lungs, take it in, is breathed into us by the resurrected Jesus. So resurrection is literally with you right now in the breath that you are breathing. And so it will be made known in your life in very real things, in flesh and in bone and everything of this world. Yet, God has a wider vision than our eyes can see. And so we should expect, like we see in Jesus with his scars, that resurrection doesn't make any, everything better like this magic wand. It will appear in the brokenness of our bodies and in the brokenness of relationships and it, within the locked doors when we are huddled in fear. It is made known specifically, and it's made known specifically for the sake of the world that God loves. Not to beautify your life, but to give you life. So how do we do this? We hear in these stories 
that resurrection is as unique as the person. So Mary, John, Peter, and Thomas all experienced resurrection in a different way, in a way that they could understand. God does not hold back from each of us that same thing. That is the wonder and the promise. And so today, claim it. Ask for it. And then take time to notice it and name it. It will come in small ways and it will come in everyday moments. Yet we forget it all the time that it is even possible. Or we say it can only come in this way and if it doesn't come in this grand way then it's not true. Hope is found in small things, too. The story of Jesus is this compilation of small stories about people and places, eating and relationships, ailments and questions, and the happenings of life along the way. John intentionally writes this. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. These stories are written down and they're given to us so that we may hear and connect and see in our lives the presence of God. How that happens is a mystery, though. The most difficult question always is this. How is an old story supposed to be relevant in my life? How can these stories be made known in the here and the now? Now, if I ask you to turn to the person sitting next to you and talk about this, you would groan and roll your eyes, and I would too, because we don't ever feel comfortable talking about this, because like, what if we say something is resurrection, and then we think, well, maybe it's not. It seems really outlandish that God would be interested in showing up in the twists and turns of our lives. But that's what we hear today. That's right where the resurrected Jesus is found. But aren't you here today because you expected something by coming to church? To hear that God is active in your life and active in this world? The promise and call of Easter is to pay attention and to hear that resurrection is real, and it's difficult to fathom as it was to the disciples back then. But God isn't hiding it from us. He breathes that life into your lungs, and he propels you forward. He is here. Now, it's time to attend to it. It's there, so ask for it. I mean it. Ask for it. Say, God, help me notice your presence in my life. Where are you? What if we attended to this spirit like we do other things in our lives? What if we created space for this? But hear this. It's not forcing you into someone who you are not. God understands the complexity of who you are. I mean, he created you, 
And he will make himself known in a way that we can understand. But be open to it. And that's why we keep coming back. That is what worship is all about. The stories, holy communion, baptism, everyday things, asking God to help us notice his presence in our lives. It's like tiny little pebbles. If you start putting those pebbles in one place, something gets created. What is God saying to you? And what do you want to say to God? And so I'd like to close our time with this, to give ourselves right now a little space. So two questions, you take them where you want to go while Andy plays a little bit of music. Take a minute to think about your life. Where have you experienced resurrection? What is that story in your life? And then the second question, where in your life personally, in this community of faith or in the world, where are you asking for it? Where are you seeking it? Name it and ask God for it. Amen.